Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now to The Athletic and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash motorsports or click any of our links from Twitter, you can receive 40% off from an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash motorsports for 40% off an annual subscription or click any of our Twitter links. We hope to see you there. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. I'm Jeff Gluck, along with my co-worker Jordan Bianchi, and we're here to talk about the Kansas race, which we just watched on a Thursday night. I believe this was the first scheduled NASCAR Thursday race since 1985, if you can believe that, since one of those uh, Daytona July 4th races, but uh, obviously the first night one. So a uh, little bit of an interesting uh, interesting evening, certainly a wreck fest. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm doing good, thanks. It was a it was a Kansas race. It was a typical Kansas race in a lot of respects, and and an outcome that we've seen a lot this year with Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick mixing it up, and Brad Keselowski was up there, and Denny Hamlin wins for the fifth time in 2020. Yeah, it's it's you know, <laughs> if you had said at the at the start of the evening, oh, you know, it will be a, a duel at the end between Harvick and Hamlin, and Hamlin will win, we would have been like, oh, okay, well, that doesn't sound too surprising. But everything else that went into the race seemed like it was unpredictable and surprising i mean some crazy wrecks Mm -hmm. really hard hits um you had some big playoff bubble situations pop up but you know as you mentioned ultimately the guys at the end are the people we've been talking about recently it's harvick and And that was the funny thing keselowski up there yeah yeah and that was the funny thing to me is throughout the night you had kyle bush who by the way won his first stage of 2020 and only took 19 races um you know kyle bush looked like he was a contender ryan blaney looked like he was a contender william byron came on at the end just all these guys were different in the mix, and Harvick and Hamlin never really were. They were just kind of hanging around, hanging around. And wouldn't it be known, though, just the way this year's gone, they just put themselves in position, and they were jockeying for the win at the end, which is really just kind of it's, it's how it has been. It's just they put themselves in these spots at the end of races to capitalize on everyone else's mistakes, and they just do it week in and week out. And, and Hamlin came out ahead today, and... I don't know how you can't see what these guys are doing and just think these guys aren't locks to make it to Phoenix and racing for the championship. And in some respects, it kind of feels like this is a preview of what's to come in the playoffs and the championship is you have Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick just going at it every single week. But here's the thing, though. I mean, you know, Hamlin himself says, well, you know, I didn't have the fastest car tonight. Harvick, as you mentioned, I mean, I kept looking up every time it seemed like I was tweeting what the running order was he was like in sixth place i mean he started on the pole and you know as as eric almarola had done in previous races starting on the pole with the Stuart haas car you know you would think that he was gonna you know dominate stage one and lead the whole you know get that clean air right away and and he fell back right away he didn't even lead a single lap to start the race and so it, it didn't seem like they had the cars but yet like you said they they hang around long enough they they are excellent on restarts harvick's move on that late restart before hamlin passed him was fantastic textbook you know pushes bowman out and then slides up and he's gone you know and then meanwhile hamlin was doing his work um to get first and second there so yeah i mean it like you said it's it's 
they their teams are experienced, the drivers are experienced, and they're taking advantage of situations. But it's it's an odd season in that it's not like they're always the fastest, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's that's where that wrinkle comes in for, you know, when we're talking about the championship and things like that. I I it's like almost every week that passes, I almost become sort of less sure. Um, I mean, you see the playoff points being tallied up and stuff like that, but how do we really know? I mean, I keep waiting, for instance, for for Chase Elliott, who has one of the fastest cars statistically in the field, um, to do something or to show that, you know, he's going to make a run. And, you know, he wasn't really there tonight. He finishes 12th. Um, You know, Ryan Blaney, you keep thinking, oh, you know, he's sort of the third best guy and he's really going to, um, at one point he's going to start reeling off these race wins, you know, he hits the wall tonight. He can't close it out. So I, I just don't know where this all, you know, leaves the, the season. It's seven races to go before the playoffs now. Um, and I think this is, you know, the, the one year that I, that I, I can't really recall a year like this where we have, we've just haven't really had true, um, favorites based on speed. Like you said, they're picking up the wins, but I don't know that the they're the fastest cars every week necessarily. Yeah, I mean, we can debate that. I I would think that Denny Hamlin has shown he's got the speed. I mean, he's he's won races in a variety of ways. Tonight, he maybe not have had the fastest car. He also did brush the wall at one point, and Chris Gabart, his crew chief, you know, said that impacted the speed a little bit. I don't know. I, I look at Denny Hamlin last week at Texas had a fast race car, just had some bad luck. And in a season where we, we talk a lot about drivers making mistakes and throwing away points and throwing away potential wins and this organization should have more wins than they do and for whatever reason they don't, we don't say that about Harvick and Hamlin. These are two drivers and two teams that just execute. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. And I think, especially in this season, if you can do that every single week and not make mistakes, you're going to go very far. And you can combine that with two drivers who know how to maximize their cars and get the most out of it, and two organizations that do build fast race cars to you know to whatever degree, you're going to be able to do a lot. And then you start looking at the bonus points part of it. That starts adding up quick. And to me, these guys are going deep in the playoffs regardless, and I don't see how they don't get to Phoenix. Well, it's, uh, you know, you, you mentioned people shooting themselves in the foot. There was plenty of that going on at Kansas, oh. I'll tell you that much. Um, 11 cautions, and of course, not a, not everything was all the bubble driver's fault. You know, some of them was just getting caught up in incidents, but uh, there was some, some big setbacks to people's playoff hopes. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, uh, notably, he got caught in that wreck where, you know, he had Benedetto hit him on one side and Dylan hit him on the other side. He ends up not being able to um, meet the minimum speed after his repairs, and he finishes 32nd, and he drops out of the playoff bubble to now 18 points out Mm. behind his teammate William Byron. William Byron is in the final slot. Uh, Tyler Reddick seemed like he was going to have a better night than he did, but he still finishes uh, 13th, so that moves him to within 10 points now of the the bubble, and before, you know, just... uh, Going into last week's race, he was, I think, 40-something points out. So now uh, Eric Jones gets top five tonight, a much-needed top five. And he's only two points behind Redick. He's uh, 12 points out of the playoff spot. So it's really tightened up. And then ahead of Byron, um, you have Matt Benedetto who wrecked out. And so he's only 25 points ahead of Byron. He's, uh, I think, I guess 35 points 
ahead of Redick. So he's he's got a decent cushion, but not a ton. And then Clint Boyer's only seven points ahead of him. So it's fairly tight. Um, I mean, from Clint Boyer down to Jimmy Johnson, uh, it's it's only a 50-point gap. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drivers, although one of them's already in the playoffs. Uh, so six drivers for, I guess, uh, three spots. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. So that's that's a, it's a pretty tight battle. And again, seven races to go. Tough to forecast what's going to happen there. It is. And, you know, I was listening to Clint Boyer's radio a lot tonight, and he was really bombastic on the radio. And just it was like a disaster night. They're running in the 20s. He was running 24th for a good chunk of the race. And it just, he you know, he's lamenting, like, we've got to change things. This can't keep happening week after week. And finishes 14th, you know. Um, it, it, that felt like it was going to be just a disaster finish for Clint and really kind of, you know, set the – the table for maybe kind of a spiral out of the playoffs, but he was able to salvage something, but it, it does go to show that you can't take anything for granted because things can change so quick. If you would have told me two weeks ago about Matt D, I, I thought he was a lock to make the playoffs. He finished third at, uh, what was it? Third at Kentucky. And it looked like he was, you know, going to make the playoffs, no problem. And then last week gets caught up into a wreck with, you know, a lap car. It was, it was doing a boneheaded move, trying to pit. And then tonight, just an innocent victim. And all of a sudden, boom, all that, that big gappy, that get, that big advantage he had is gone. Things can change quickly. And the way you look at the, the races that are upcoming between the road course at Daytona, the Daytona Oval, you've got a double, couple double headers in there. This is not going to be an easy stretch, and it is going to test everybody. And every little point that you throw away is going to come back to bite you. And we, we've talked about this before, but you look at these guys in the bubble, Jones, Byron, Johnson, they have thrown away a lot, a lot of points this year. Yeah, and you know, not only are there only um, seven races left, but there's only uh, five race weekends left. So you, know, you really can't afford to go to like the Michigan doubleheader, the Dover doubleheader. And run bad uh, because, like you you mentioned, I mean, with the wild cards looming, uh, that Daytona Oval and the Daytona Road Course, uh, that's really you don't want to have anything leaving up to chance for those races. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I it's uh, you know, I guess if you had to take a guess now, and obviously uh, we'll just delete this later or pretend we didn't say this <laughs> if we're wrong. Um, as I wish I could do with the good race poll this week, but um, what uh, what do you think? Which which drivers are going to get in? Let let's say there's no new winners from outside uh, the top sixteen or whatever to to further shake up the playoff picture. So you've got uh, Boyer, De Benedetto, Byron, Reddick, Jones, and Johnson. Which of those three get the final three spots on points? Boy. Uh, I will go with Eric Jones. I will go with William Byron, and I will go with Matt D to make the playoffs. Okay, so you have Boyer, Johnson, and Reddick out. Correct. Interesting. Any reasoning there? Uh, Matt D and the Wood Brothers Racing Team have had a lot of speed in the race, a lot of speed in their race cars this year. They 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 don't. It, They've just been a victim of bad luck. I mean, that's, there's nothing you can do about that. The last two weeks are a perfect example of that. They have speed. Matt is really good on the road course, so he's going to be a factor at Daytona on the road course. He's really good in the, the super speedway races, so he's going to be good in the oval there. He's got teammates that can help him out and protect him a little bit if it comes down to that last regular season race. 
I like their chances. William Byron, I still believe that they have they they are better than they have ran this year at times. Tonight was a good example of that they they got some stage points, or they didn't get they were in contention at the end. They used track position to get up there and get a good finish. I like what I see out of that team. And Eric Jones, I will say this again, I think he's going to win a race before this regular season out, gets out, and he's going to get into the playoffs that way. Well, I'm kind of with you on the Boyer part of it. I, I just, even though he has he's he has the best cushion right now, it just seems like they're going the wrong direction or something always happens. I don't have any faith in them. You know what I mean? Like to have some good performances without bad things happening. It feels like so they're I hanging have, on. Yeah. I mean, and again, he has a 42-point advantage, I think. Yeah, 42 points if I'm reading that right. Um but it just feels like they're just right on the edge of disaster all the time. And, and they're not running as well as their teammates. And um, I don't know what's going on, but I just don't have like a lot of faith in them to, to finish strong. So I could see them falling out. Um, I do think to Benedetto makes it as well uh, just because, you know, that's basically a Penske car and, and Penske cars have been running well. I'm going to use the same logic there for Eric Jones, even though he's been on the outside. I think that they can, uh, they can sort of rally. And then, um, maybe it's just, I don't know why I'm saying this, but you know, Jimmy Johnson, despite being in the worst points position right now, I see him making it as well. I mean, you have two Dover races, um, where he's the all time track leader in wins. Now, obviously he hasn't won there recently, but, uh, you know, that's the place where his you would think he re- could go. His most recent cup victory, by the way, did come at Dover. Yeah. I mean, it, it depends how, how good his car is, but I mean, you would think those would be a two Dover races would be a great opportunity for him to score points. He also almost won the inaugural, um, Charlotte Roval. So I think going to the Daytona Roval, uh, would suit him well. Now I am worried about the Daytona Oval cause he, it seems like he always crashes at Daytona. Um, but, you know, overall, I think, you know, he could go to New Hampshire and run well. He can go to Michigan and run well. So I think he can gain points. Um, you know, it's going to be tough for, for Reddick, for Byron um, as well to, to hang in there. So I guess my guys, as I said, would be Benedetto, Eric Jones, and Johnson, uh, which would leave Boyer, Byron, and Reddick on the outside. Although I like what Reddick's been doing this year, and I, I picked him to make playoffs. I just, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's a tough spot for a rookie to really go – head to head with these powerhouses he's done it so far i mean he's doing great but um it's still it's still a tough task so so quick thing real quick i'm looking at jimmy johnson's stats in the last three four five six in the last seven races his best finish is 13th yeah it hasn't been good for no, sure not it at hasn't all. been good some of that i mean again we we talked about it before is is definitely self-inflicted so you have that but you know then you have incidents like and and i guess that's the problem with the self-inflicted part when you make mistakes, you don't have any mulligans and you don't leave yourself any room mm-hmm. for a night like tonight where it's not your fault and it's just random bad luck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's that's the unfortunate part of it is is they don't have any room for, for error. But, no, no, zero. Yeah. Um, so this was the last scheduled uh, midweek race for now. We've seen a few this year. Most of them early on were affected by rain. Then you have the all-star race and this race that weren't affected by rain in any way. Um, You know, this was going head-to-head with the baseball season opener. Um, So I think that's going to be a tough task for for the ratings when they come out. 
Of course, by the time you guys are listening to this, they might already be out. But, um, you know, where do you think is the future now of midweek races? Is it just going to be dependent on how the ratings did? Is there going to be enough momentum to try to get one on the schedule, like actually pre-scheduled sure. next year? Or is this is this it for a while? So um, a couple things on this. I'm actually working on a story about this for TheAthletic.com. And that story may be out next week, but I'm not sure. I'm still waiting on a couple interviews. So... But it will be on theathletic.com in the next few weeks about midweek races and what the future is. And what I can say is, one, NASCAR in the industry certainly wants to see midweek races on the schedule. It was going to be a thing for 2021. It is an expectation that is going to be a thing in 2021, even with everything going on. Um, talk to a lot of people in the industry from OEM reps to people on the television side. Everybody says we want to see midweek races. Um, they are very, they're stressing that. And I interviewed a Fox sports executive this week and I asked him, I said, you know, about television ratings and everything. I said, honestly, to me, from my perspective, it didn't seem like the television ratings for the Wednesday night races were as high as I anticipated them to be. And, you know, again, I don't have a great understanding of this, so maybe I'm reading it wrong. And he said, no, actually their numbers are actually are good. And they're about exactly where we expect them to be. And I said, really, that seems odd to me. He goes, yeah, we expected them to be lower than Sunday. Because, and this was the surprising part to me, he says, actually, it's more competitive during the week to get good television ratings for sporting events than it is on the weekend, which I thought was really surprising because you hear the argument of, well, people are out in the summertime and they're not around on the weekends and they're doing different things. And he says, no, he says, you know, people are kind of accustomed to watching sports on the weekends and during the week, people have television shows that they are just accustomed to watching or they're binging something. And it's hard to get people to sit down and watch a sporting event. So talking to Fox Sports executive, they're very excited by the midweek races. It's something they want. I talked to Jim Campbell today uh, from Chevrolet, and he was very adamant. He wants midweek races from his perspective. I've talked to some other folks in the industry on the team side. They all want midweek races. So they're going to be around in some facet. That's the expectation. I, I think the key is is not to overdo it. You can't have a bunch of them. This can't be like Saturday Night Racing was, you know, 15 years ago when there was just a flood of these races that came around on Saturday night and people just kind of tuned out. You've got to be very selective where you do it, when you do it. It's got to be the right track. And I, and I will adamantly say this. It has to be the right distance. You know, to me, a 300-mile race on a Wednesday night is perfect on the right track. So I think you're going to see these. I'm encouraged by what I see. It, it's not perfect, but I think this was a good foray into getting into seeing how this works. Yeah, but I don't I don't really understand though because if you're saying that Fox is is acknowledging that there's less of a viewer pool to tap into than on a Sunday race, then why would they want to do that? In theory, if they have more viewers and they know they're going to have more viewers, yeah. they can charge more money for ads. So what's the point then? Uh, because there are some sports weekends uh, during their portion of the schedule, where they they are going to they are going head to head against other sports that are going to get a bulk of the attention, and it's a good way to separate themselves from that, and also cater to an audience that maybe isn't attuned to NASCAR on a weekend, but they're sitting home on a Wednesday and will tune in and say, "Hey, you know what's going on tonight? Oh, I'm going to tune into this race that maybe otherwise wouldn't." Gotcha. Well, I hope that they're around because. Uh I enjoyed it. And I, I, again, I agree. I don't think it works at all tracks. Um, obviously not every track even wants a one day show, but clearly it's been proven, uh, that it's achievable. Um, you know, I, I think going forward, um, it, it should be something that we, we see, you know, several times a year, I would hope 
um, permanently on, on the schedule. So um, what else should we talk about from this Kansas race tonight? Um, that's a great question, Jeff. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I, I guess it's probably time to take a commercial break. Uh, do you want to read this week's uh, manscaping ad, Jordan? I, I've, I've been hogging all the ad reads. Do you want to try to take a crack at one? It is my pleasure. Guys, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up for your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the essential Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your manscaping routine. This is the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accents. Trust me, those hurt. I've had them. You can also adjust settings to get length you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. Be sure to use their Crop Clean Cleanser to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's good for healthy chest hair as it is for your skin. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer because we all know how painful chafing can be when you're cha- wearing your bathing suit all day. Again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the Patent High Performance Anti-Chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC20. So Jordan, I believe since the last time we talked, it's been announced that um, there's not going to be any more practice or qualifying for the entire rest of the season. Not just the Daytona Road Course uh, as people were hoping to see some practice there, but there won't even be any practice for the championship race at Phoenix, if it is still at Phoenix. Um, what do we think about that? I'm okay with it. It doesn't bother me. I'm I, I'm okay with it because everybody knows going in what it's going to be. This isn't going to be on a week-to-week basis. This isn't going to be a couple weeks out. Everybody knows what this is going to be like going into the playoffs. And honestly, the fact that you know most of the tracks in the playoffs, in, in Phoenix especially, the NASCAR, they've already raced there this year. So there's already a bit of a notebook built up. There's an idea of what's going to happen. They've tried this new you know, short track rules package there that worked out really well. So people aren't going into the race blind. The one thing I do have concerns about, about the no practice qualifying thing, is Daytona Road Course. To me, you need a 30-minute practice session there at least for these guys. A lot of these drivers have no laps there whatsoever. Some have raced sports cars there. But nobody has any idea of what it's going to be like when you put a stock car on that track. Um, you know, what are the tires going to be like? I, and I know, I think the tires are going to be the same tires they brought from Watkins Glen or the Roval. But this is bank track. It's a very high-speed track. Um, you know, Kurt Busch was on Sirius Satellite Radio this week saying that speeds going into turn one could be in excess of 200 miles an hour. Well, what's that going to be like? I mean, can can these cars handle that? Can they handle braking that way? NASCAR's looking at put a sh- uh, putting a chicane in the front stretch, and that's all well and good. But again, these are never the, nothing is no laps have ever been laid down at this road course before, 
and just starting a key play, a key regular season race that can really go a long way to dictating the playoff field to me is a recipe for disaster. Take 30 minutes, figure it out, have these guys do some laps, make sure the tires aren't going to you know to shred, make sure the course is the way it needs to be and just do it right. Yeah, it's just crazy to think about. I mean, it wasn't really that many years ago where I mean, you had Daytona preseason thunder. So you'd go down to Daytona for three days and they'd just make boring single car runs by themselves, uh, you know, for three days just to just to test for Daytona 500. And then they'd go off to uh, Vegas to do preseason testing for a few days. And, you know, everybody's hauling out there. And, and it's just like, we got to have practice. We got to have practice. We got to have testing, all this stuff. And now it's like a brand new track that, you know, they've never, they've never tried. I mean, obviously sports cars have been on it, but, um, with, with stock cars, like you mentioned, and to not even have any practice at all is just crazy. But I, I, I'm actually more bothered, I guess, by the championship, um, the championship race itself, not having practice because we've seen that weird things can happen, not just, uh, somebody missing the setup or something, but something might not be right on a car or whatever. And, uh, I would hate for the championship race outcome to be, you know, somebody, you know, it, it gets going lap one, uh, a weight falls out of, you know, sure. some back marker car and it strikes a championship contender and that person's season is over or so, you know what I mean? No, we I, saw Denny Hamlin have a weight issue. Not a, not, not, not a back marker, but a championship contender. We saw it this year. Well, but and you could say, well, they they better get that right then, and, and that's true. But I'm just saying, oh, no, I hear you if it's yep, if it's somebody else's um, somebody else's incident or something that that could have been caught, um, I don't know. I mean, it's just it it's the champion. As much emphasis is put on the championship to not even give them like a morning warm up or something. Not even saying, hey, make some adjustments. You you could have it impound still, but just to let them go out there and run and and make sure everything's tight on the car. Um, I don't know. And who knows that, you know, again, it, it's so, it's so weird to talk about, um, the playoffs at this point when we see all the COVID cases skyrocketing and especially, you know, Arizona is one of the worst spots in the nation right now. Well, along with Florida sure. and there's what, three more races scheduled for this year, two in Florida and the championship in Arizona, obviously and we it's, still it's just have weird a race to, in Texas too. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, the, the way things are going, you're, you're like, well, I, I hope the championship's going to be in Phoenix. I hope there is a championship, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. This whole, this whole year is just so, so surreal and strange, but, uh, what else is surreal and strange is that I've lost yet another, <laughs> was it a good race poll <laughs> guess to you? Uh, I overestimated what people would say about the Texas race. I guess I thought it was too good you said um 60 i think you said that's your new standard yep. for races like that so does this get an over 60 percent for you with all the wrecks tonight and stuff or are you going with 60 60 nope. this was a this 60 was a, again 60 percent. it was an okay race it's some entertaining moments but expected winner you know i don't think people are getting too excited about um again not a bad race i was entertained and especially i, I thought this was for a mile and a half race or racetrack this was really competitive it, it was entertaining guys were able to run down you know got you know multiple lanes or was passing i didn't think it was that bad of a race but i just don't think it was exceptional i'm gonna say 60 percent. 
I, I thought it was a, was a good race. If I voted in the poll, I, I would probably vote yes. But I understand where, um, you know, as you said, not a super interesting winner, just somebody that's been winning already, um, not a good finish. And I think that I saw a lot of fans get frustrated about the rules package at times as they've been in some recent um, mile and half track races. When Matt DiBenedetto, when Matt DiBenedetto said um, it takes us, you know, the restarts are so good because we have no horsepower. It takes us 45 minutes or whatever to Ooh. get up to speed. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of fans jump on my timeline and go, yeah, he's speaking the truth. I agree. Finally, somebody says this. It's, it's funny. It's interesting how you see, you know, the drivers don't like it, but they mostly don't talk about it. And when you see little moments like that come yeah. out you go, that's, that is how they, how they really feel, you know? But, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm kind of with you on that where I, I don't think it's going to be very high. I think, I think we've had a few races in a row here that have been right around 50 ish. So I think this is going to be another one. Um, I'll, I'll just go with, a uh, say a 55%. There. Okay, that's a good so what number. What do you think about that? That's I'm going f- lower no. than I've been the last few weeks. No, I've been caught up too much in my own personal, like, hey, I enjoyed <laughs> this, like the Texas race. I thought, oh, this is a good race. People are like, no, no, it wasn't. So um, anyway, I'm going 55. You're going 60. Hopefully I can pick up a W. But guess what, folks? We won't find out, at least on the podcast, um, until next Sunday. Next Sunday, New Hampshire, there's a little bit of a break now. Uh, obviously... Xfinity and trucks are running the rest of the weekend at Kansas, but no cup race Sunday. And so, uh, the next time I come to you, Jordan, I- I'll actually be in, uh, I won't be in my home office anymore for the first Ooh. time since, uh, Where are you gonna be? since the pandemic, I will be in Indianapolis. I'm heading to Indianapolis for probably about a month or so. We're just going to shift the scenery a little bit. Visit my wife's family. Um, so the in-laws, huh? The in-laws. Yep. They like you. So, they like me, I think, most of the time. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, check, check back with me. Do, do you like them? A month of, of living there, uh, they might not. They might be ready for me to ship on back out to Colorado. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we can't. You know, can't do much traveling here lately. So uh, Sarah got, hasn't gotten to see her family. So we're, we're just going to relocate for uh, uh, a portion here of the the summer. So anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank everybody. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this episode, even though, um, it's very late. I don't know how many people listen to this. It's, it's already, as we're recording this right here, it's already 1am past 1am Eastern. So this won't get posted probably till like 2am. So I don't know how many people listen to this tonight. Probably not many, very many. If you are, uh, tweet us and let us know. Uh, we, we appreciate you who, who stay up for this, but we don't expect you to. Everybody's listening on another day. We, we love you as well. So, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next Sunday after New Hampshire on the Teardown. <laughs>